Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I think I'm pretty good. I'm pretty tired, but like... You have been improving by the day. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday was good, but oh man, well, yeah, yesterday morning was good. Last night, I've been having afternoon sleeps. <laughs> and so okay. I guess I did power it. Nap, the power nap works. <laughs> um, it was like a three hour. It's like the hour long. But okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just good. But how are you? Oh, I wanted to butt in real quick oh, for a second. Yeah. Um, so I want to do something a little bit different this morning, a little bit special for uh, one of our listeners. Mm. Um, can't go into too much detail, but... Suffice to say that uh, his family is at Westmead Children's Hospital at the moment. Oh, aye. Um, well, they were yesterday as far as I understand and facing very, very grim circumstances. Mm. Um, and so I just want to stop and pray for them. Yeah, hard out. Father in heaven, we pray that you'll be with uh, our listener this morning and his family. We pray you'll be with them in a very special way and be close to them at this time, give them wisdom, and particularly be with the uh, medical staff that are attending to his family, that you will uh, yeah, just really uh, give them wisdom and work a miracle on his behalf. Uh, we pray for this, um, for this entire family, and we just pray that you will just make your presence felt very, very close to them today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, also guide us as we go through this radio show. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right on. Yeah, so just heard some really yeah serious news and uh, sobering news, and so just wanted to stop and pray. Um, this is one of the one of the people who is a regular listener, regular contributor mm. to the show, often texts in, and um, yeah, yeah was, for sure. Yep. Hey, if you're listening and you also want to pray for this family, you know, God hears all prayers. Absolutely, we we really ask that you do mm. um, send up a prayer for. Um, for this family, the Lord knows who they are. And, uh, and and also, if you've got something you'd like to pray about, we'd love to pray for our listeners at times. So if mm. you've got a prayer request, then send it through. Um, we, we're more than happy to pray for you guys. The Lord hears and answers prayers. Mm. He has never stopped and he never will. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. okay. Let's have some uh, positively different news. Okie dokie. So, for those who... A DIY lovers and are also environmentally minded. The first ever green shopping aisle is for you. Um, it's in one of Britain's major hardware chains, which is called Homemade, and it's literally just green. So, so the aisle, like floor walkway, is grass. They have like climbers that are going up the wall. They have a canopy of like green stuff. Now, wait, 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 wait. Plastic grass, right? No grass, grass. It's going to last like a day. Look, I don't know how it works. I don't know if they literally dug up their stores and put in grass. I don't know. I didn't research it that deeply. <laughs> All right. But they've got real plants growing up the sides of the aisles. Yes. And a That's canopy cool. infused with – so a thing like the on the roof, uh-huh. it's all – I don't know how they did that. I don't know if it's just like you on – vines. You put vines and they grow up and across the top and down oh, the other it? side. Okay. Well, there's that. Yeah. And then, that's what um, I do. Well, maybe that's what they did. Maybe it makes sense. <laughs> They're a hardware store, so they own lots of plants. Exactly. Why wouldn't they? Just and they can do something. many, many things. Yeah. Um, and so they, yeah. So they've done this in a partnership with Smart Energy GB. I guess that just means Great Britain. I don't know. Um, so it means this whole aisle is showcasing. Um, ooh, where's it gone? Eco-friendly and energy-efficient home improvement products. So it was created after seventy-four percent of Brits have said that they would like to make their home greener. Like they would like to be more energy efficient. They would like to, you know, just do some things, but they don't even know where to start. 
So these guys got on board and went, okay, you know what? We can help you out with this. And there's this man who works at Craig Phillips. He's a DIY expert. And he said uh, he was one of the first to visit this green aisle. He's helped hundreds of people improve just stuff in their life. Just like, okay, you want to make some change? We'll just do a small change here. And he goes, it's the same with green. You See, know, what they need to have is some staff that are assigned to that particular aisle so mm. that when you go in there, they can have a bit of a, uh, an interview with you. Like, oh, okay, what's your home like? What, can you, you know, mm. what, what, is, what kind of a house is it? How old is it? You know, what have you got for, you know, and uh, oh, you, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? You could do this. You could add in this. Yeah. And you could you know, just be an ideas person and just, you know. Ideas, man, yes. They, they, they would be a salesperson, obviously. Uh-uh. Because, you know, this particular hardware store has done this because they're going to make money out of it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, But that's not a bad thing. It's still a business, yeah. That's what a business is for. A business is for making money. Mm -hmm. And if you can make money doing positive things in the world, why not? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to help it go around, yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was also cool because he's right. You know, sometimes making small changes is what is going to have a massive impact. Like we often think we've got to do the big hectic thing. But no, we can just do the small, the small measures sometimes, you know? Yeah. 1% increase can have a compound. The whole world effect. made a 1% increase. That would be a very, very big effect on our world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then kind of following on from that story, different story, but um, UK's Royal Horticultural Society um, has collabed with the Department of Landscape Architecture to research with the universities of Sheffield, West- Westminster and Virginia about the effect of having a greener front yard. So it's been a four-year project, um, and basically they just they added ornamental plants to previously bare front front lawns in economically deprived streets in Greater Manchester in England. So they had forty-two residents. Each of them received one tree, one shrub, a climus, uh, sunshine, so like a herb, like lavender, rosemary, something like that. Um, some bulbs to plant and one bedding plant. So just one kind of of each of these things. Okay. Um, it also included a control group that were added a year later and they measured concentrations of cortisol hormones before and after um, the plants were added because they were going, what is the impact of this? You know, And that's not a whole huge no, amount of plants. It is not. Exactly. Um, it's not like, you know. No, no, it's not like if you're I look doing at a my, whole if, garden. If I look at my front garden, mm-hmm. it's got a lot more than that in it. Then this is the little bit that goes along the street front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so obviously we know with cortisol levels can change kind of throughout the day anyway, but before the experiment, only 24% of these 42 residents had healthy, (laughs) (laughs) something scared us, um, had healthy levels of cortisol. Like we all have those levels, but only 24% had healthy levels. Um, over the course of one year, that increased to 53% of the 42 having healthy, normal levels of cortisol. Um, half of them just said, yep, we feel happy like happier from this, 40% it helped them relax, 20, 26% said it helped them feel closer to nature. And one of the people who was involved in this research, um, Dr. Laurie Ann, couldn't pronounce her last name, um, she was one of the researchers and she just said that the stress reduction data is startling because there's such a small amount of plants that she was just like, they, did, they just didn't expect it. They wanted to see what would happen, didn't expect the results to be what they were. So I just reckon that's just that's just incentive. You have any sort of lawn, just go plant a few things. Dig up some soil, get in your fingers, get in your toes, get some sunshine, get some fresh air. And for whatever reason, it has a positive effect. Even with just a few plants, it still has this measurably different uh, I cannot impact. believe that with such a tiny, tiny I impact, know. it's it's measurable. Yeah. 
Imagine if you go out and plant a whole garden. Imagine. Imagine all of the benefit that you're getting from your garden because you're not just you're not just planting a garden and growing a garden and getting all the positive benefits from that. You're going to eat it. Exactly. So you're going to eat your garden, which is just going to be infinitely better for you than anything you can buy in the supermarket. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what. So it's just like win, 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 and more win. But you know what? We know so much about how good nature is and we still don't do it. This is the thing, right? <laughs> well, you're doing it. Well, I'm starting. I'm still not where I could be. But yeah, you have to start somewhere. It's true. I'll take that. Yes. Yes, Lyle. I'm doing good things. <laughs> Absolutely. You're doing it. It's a start. It's good. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that it is springtime, so get out there and plant your garden. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so in other news this morning... Uh, Let's see, which story will we start with? Let me find page one of my notes. Here's page one. Okay, so boys, here's a new report that's just come out. Mm. Uh, It amazes me how people spend money to find out the obvious. Okay, what have they they found out? They've they've found out that boys who drink between the ages of 15 to 17 are much more likely to have an alcohol problem and resulting health problems right through the rest of their life. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. (laughs) It's like like, you had to do a report. You had to get a government grant. You had to spend lots of money to find this out. Look, I guess the benefit of doing these sort of things is that they do have, okay, we have done the work, we can show this, we can... It's not just a... uh, it's not anecdotal. It's not anecdotal. That's yeah. right. It's not anecdotal. And so Still, it's obvious. Like, th- yeah, I know. There's dating I don't the know. obvious. I don't know. Mm. What is interesting about the report, though, is, and, and this is what I think makes it worth doing, uh, is that the longer you can hold a young man off from taking his first drink, the less likely he is to have a drinking problem and the less likely he is to have all kinds of health problems later in life. Mm. Yeah. Because what they were doing was they were looking at, you know, differences between um, the health outcomes of men the health versus the health com- outcomes of women and were asking the question, why do men have so much worse health outcomes than what women do? And this was one of the major issues that popped up as a part of this particular report. Interesting. How long did this go for? How did they determine that it's specifically 15 to 7-year-olds and that it's them not drinking during that time? They just Ooh. surveyed a whole bunch of people over a whole bunch of time. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant, yes. <laughs> nice and scientific. <laughs> All right, so this is a, a bigger story here, um, gambling self-exclusion failure. Okay. So we have a major gambling problem in Australia. Mm. Uh, we know that. Uh, our country loses billions and billions, thirteen billion dollars every year is lost by Australians to gambling. The Stop reason me. that we have so much gambling is because the government is kind of, uh, you know, just drinking in all of the milk that they earn from gambling, the proceeds of gambling, and they will lose all of that revenue if they, you know, get rid of gambling. Oh. Gambling used to be illegal when I was a kid. The only place that you could gamble in the entire country was one casino mm-hmm. in Hobart. I know this because I'm from Tasmania. And people used to fly down there to gamble in that particular casino. And then it just went free reign. Mm. And going free reign has just destroyed countless lives. It's filled our jails. It's torn our families apart. It has um, thrown people out onto the streets into homelessness. Uh, It's just been the worst idea ever And so back in the early 2000s, they brought in self-exclusion laws. So the self-exclusion laws were the kind of the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) But it basically works like this. If you're a problem gambler, Mm. you can go online. 
and you can sign up a piece of paper and you can select certain pubs that you want to or, or clubs or whatever where there are pokies or whatever it might be that you can self-exclude yourself from. Okay, so they won't let you come in because you've decided they shouldn't. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, which you're, if you're an addict, then you've got to be pretty desperate to Ooh, actually yeah. do that. You've got to be, you know, most people don't do that until they have actually been charged with a crime as a result of their, you know, trying to support their gambling addiction or they've lost their house. Yeah, something seriously. Or, 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 their, or their family's broken up, their oh, partner's yeah. left, you know, that kind of stuff. And they, they're like, okay, I've hit rock bottom, I need to do something about it. Uh, guess how many prosecutions there have been since those laws were introduced? And they were introduced in all states except Western Australia. I don't know. Which don't Western, know. <laughs> Western Australia doesn't have... Um, Any casinos? Doesn't have uh, pokies in pubs and clubs. Yeah, okay. Go Western yeah. Australia. Uh, Big shout out to Western Australia this morning. Um, and so this, this legislation, I guess how many people have been, how many clubs or pubs have been prosecuted since these laws came in for failing to comply with uh, self-exclusion laws? I want to say most of them. A big fat zero. Hey. And in all of that time, there has only been one fine handed out and that was to an individual serving in a pub and for a breach. And this was after 38 breaches yeah, in a row. Like, Guess how much they'll find? I don't know. $440. Aye. Okay, so no. this is why I say these are the dumbest rules ever because, because they're a complete waste of time. Basically what it is, it's like, oh, we, wanna, we want people to feel better so we will make this law that's going to do absolutely nothing while we can continue to make money off pokies. So basically they didn't actually stop the people who were meant to no. not come no. coming. You, you can go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, see, you, you, should do, you should try this, Minnie. Okay. No, maybe you should. Yeah, I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, don't try this. This is a bad idea. I was going to say, you know, self-exclude yourself from a bunch of these pubs and then go and gamble in them. Right, and they yeah, just because do nothing. That, the, the, the researchers did a whole bunch of this and, and, and it, absolutely th- nothing happened whatsoever. Do you think it would have been different all. though if they had followed through, if they'd been like, oh, yes, you're a person who shouldn't be here, you can't be here. Do you think it would have made a difference if they'd been willing to A implement? true addict is always going to find somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's as simple as that. The self-exclusion laws are just ridiculous. Now, uh, Victor Dominello, who is the New South Minister for New South Wales Minister for Gambling and uh, Gaming, uh, has proposed uh, a $27,500 fine for a breach. Pretty significant. So that's a that's, little bit more realistic. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit. And more also push. compulsory preloaded cards for pokies. So that way oh. you can actually enforce it because if you've got a compulsory freelo- uh, preloaded card and it's the only thing you can use on the pokies, yeah. then all you have to do when a person self-excludes themselves, their card gets switched off and they can never apply for another one and that's yes. it, they're done. yes. You know, and there'd be a lot of gamblers out there that would be super appreciative of that because an addiction is an addiction, and uh, you know you get these people who are desperate. And so, you know, there's a story of one man who lost two hundred thousand dollars, self excluded himself, and after self excluding himself, went and lost another two hundred thousand dollars, which was everything, in the pubs that he had self excluded himself from. Aye. You know, so this is obviously something that is a complete and utter and total failure. But I like what Victor Dominello yeah. is proposing. Could, I would propose just, you know, ban the things altogether, put them out of the country. Yeah. I agree, but if they're not going to do that, I think they have to have something. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm definitely not a fan of them at all. But I think if you're not even going to 
I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we're going to be realistic, no, it just, probably won't just, get cancelled. They, they probably they won't. That's right. They won't get shut okay, down. I, I, like, I get that. I think they should, but they won't. If they're not going to be, there are people who have genuine problems which it's destroying their lives. And I'm like, we, they, you, there has to be some accountability. There has to be. Yes. They clearly is not doing well no. at that. But <laughs> no, in fact, gamblers say that the rules as they stand at the moment were designed, specifically designed not to work. And a, token, and a token gesture. So problem gamblers are saying that. Mm. These rules were designed not to work so the government could still make money off of gambling. So it's saying we should take like, take some responsibility, be a little bit accountable, but actually, but I want to be, so we'll just say we are. Yes. Uh, okay, and then you've got uh, gamblers that have repeatedly reported hotels and where they have been, you know, uh, where, where they have been making breaches of their exclusion um, and, you know, consistently the reply comes, no breaches of gambling legislation detected. And wait, like, so wait a minute. I've been, I've been breaching it and I've I'm been telling you it. that I've been breaching it consistently and you can't prove that? So is that because they go then feel guilty because they don't – because they want to get past their problem? Yeah, they're trying to get yeah. past their problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, okay – I'm not being banned from this place. I tried to ban myself from this place. I'm not. And so please do something about this. Please find this Help establishment me. or mm. something or other. And they're like, yeah, no, there's been no breaches here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something seriously needs to be done to solve this problem. Gambling is a blot on our society. We need to get rid of it all together. Our world would be a better place. Money would go into productivity. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Luke Ferrutia. From Oz Table Talk, Luke, welcome to the show again. Hi, Lyle. Thanks for having me back. Ah, it's great to have you here, and uh, we always like to catch up with what's happening in the world of Oz Table Talk. Find out about the discussions that you guys have been having over the last month. What's uh, what have been some of the hot topics that have uh, come up for discussion? All right. So uh, the last month we've done a couple of uh, we did a, a ten question. So uh, more rapid fire round, but uh, I'd highlight at least some of the questions that we that we did that I think uh, would be interesting anyway. So one of the like one of the ones that these are from our audience for the most part. So people you know reach out, send us questions, and if uh, they're not necessarily going to fit with a, a full size episode, we we sort of put them all together into a rapid fire session. So some of the ones that we dealt with were um, why were some of the books kept out of the Bible? You know, for example, like Enoch or the Gospel of Thomas and those sort of books. That's a cool question. We actually have that one uh, come through from time to time here on uh, Question of the Day. So uh, really mm. glad that you've answered that one. And uh, you've, you've got a number of different books there because you've, you've got the, uh, you know, your deuterocanonical books, you've got the, your books between the Old and the New Testament, but you've also got, you know, the New Testament books like, uh, so not just, you know, the book of Enoch, for instance, which is, mm. um, you know, a book that dates from that period between the Old and the New Testament, but you've also got... The uh, books like, you know, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Barnabas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene, mm. which yes. are supposedly a part of the New Testament. Mm. Where do these books actually fit in? What did you guys find out? So one of, the, one of the key conclusions that we came to is that the books that we find that are in the canon were written by the people they claim to be written by, whereas the, these books that we find that are less known and not in the, in the canon, are typically written under pseudonyms, right? So people are writing them much later under the name of biblical characters. And 
that is obviously going to disqualify them because there's the they're not being uh, you know clear about where they come from. But the other the other aspect to it is that it must agree with the rest of scripture. And so when you compare the, the teachings that are in these books, they're not compatible with what we see in the rest of scripture and what we know to be fact, what we know to be um, expressed correctly. Yeah, so basically if you get something that is a questionable book, the easy way to test it is by you know the, the existing canon or the existing rule of scripture that, yes. um, that has authority. And so mm-hmm. I, guess, yeah. I guess from that perspective you could, um, you know, the first canon was Moses' canon, and everything is judged by that thereafter. Yes, absolutely. And the Bible, the Bible builds on that. Interesting question. Glad that you guys are copying some of the same uh, questions that we've been copying. We just had a, a challenging one yesterday. I should send it through for you guys. But anyway, um, yeah. what uh, what else are we what else was we talking about? So the other another one that we were talking about was: Is there any legitimacy from it, like from a biblical perspective? Is there any legitimacy to UFO claims? Right, which is, which is kind of a bit conspiracy, or you know, on the on the edges of of society. But we took it from the perspective of what do we know from scripture about beings that are not human, right? So we, yes. we looked at it from the perspective of, in particularly in the Book of Job, we find that there are other other creations. We know that we're not purely alone as far as scripture is concerned, but uh, as far as what uh, what we see in you know popular media, you know, the Bible doesn't support that kind of UFO, but it does. It does suggest that there is life on, uh, like in other places, because they are still a part of God's creation. Yet they are unfallen, whereas we did choose to to sin in the in the first place. Sure, sure. Interesting discussion once again. Uh, particularly, you know, there are a lot of unexplained things that are on this world, and we can sort of, you know, some people ask, well, did these come from, you know, extraterrestrial beings? Um, yeah. I'll be interested to uh, have a listen to the podcast and and find out what you've got to say there, and also the biblical evidence that you came up with. Yeah, yeah. Look, and I mean, I'll, I'll return to some of the, uh, the the ten questions, rapid fire ones, but just for the uh, sake of like sticking to one of the larger topics that we hit on this month, um, we had a, an episode that went out just this week, actually, and uh, the title of the episode was "Babies in the Afterlife: Will Heaven Have a Nursery?" Oh, uh, basically that's... the. the, the the question of yeah, well, well, what? How does God view um, babies? Be they you know infants or unborn, and and what what will their relationship be to God and and the afterlife? That's 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 a really interesting one. Uh, were you able to find many passages from the Bible that dealt with that issue? Uh, we did find a few that we felt to be key. A lot a lot of the reasoning around a topic like that where. There, there is biblical support, I, I believe, but there's not, not a copious amount of it that would, uh, you know, make it a lot easier for everybody. But um, a lot of it has to hinge around what, how we understand God to operate in other circumstances, which we can then read into the situation. But as far as passages, I don't have the passage open in front of me right now. But there is a, a passage in the Old Testament that um, refers to the the children or the babies that were sacrificed to idols, and uh, God counts them as his own children for their protection. Mm. And, and to me, that's a really powerful concept, right? These children that were violated by the very people that they were entrusted to and they were sacrificed to these idols, God takes parental ownership of those children. And if God does that, to my mind, that would that would equate with their salvation because they obviously didn't have an opportunity at life in this world. 
And so there's that, and there's a, there's a number of other things as well. But they're probably some of the key ideas that we that we covered. Yeah, well done, well done, fantastic. Mm. Okay, yeah. ten questions you dealt with, uh, rapid fire ones. Uh, let us know about some of the other questions that you've um, found. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the other ones that that, uh, that came in was: Should we swear on the Bible in court when the Bible says that we shouldn't swear on anything in in Matthew? Okay. So the, yeah. So this is one of the things. You know, when you go to when you go to court, if anyone has ever been there, uh, you know, the, you're asked to you know put your hand on the Bible and swear on a Bible and, and that. And the question was posed by uh, by one of our listeners that you know the Bible says in in Sermon on the Mount where you know. Jesus says you shouldn't swear on anything. Not the you know, not the hair, not your head, not anything, not anything else. So the question then becomes, you know, is that is that a literal thing where God is saying you shouldn't swear on that in a court of law, or is Jesus making a, a something, you know, a, a larger uh, a larger call on us? And probably the like the main line of reasoning that we went down for this is that in the theme of the Sermon on the Mount. He, uh, Jesus is taking all of the things from their, their culture that have been misunderstood and sort of turning them on their head and, and correcting their way of thinking about God. And in this particular section, the, the concept, uh, well, one of the concepts that he's expressing is that if you need to, you know, swear on something in order to make your word more valid, then what does that say about what you're saying the rest of the time, right? That, that's saying that, you know, your integrity is in question if, if there is a, a requirement for that. And so, uh, at least for out, from our perspective, the Jesus injunction isn't that you can't swear on a Bible in court, but the purpose is more that we should have integrity in all of our dealings. And you should be known for having that integrity. Yes, absolutely. So that when you go to court, they don't need to ask you to swear because it's just mm. everybody knows that this is this is who this person is and this is the way they live their life. Yes. Yeah. Mm, good discussion. Yeah. yeah. What else? What else? So, so yeah, there, there are a couple of other a couple of other quick ones in there. There was one like um, uh, asking um, questions about around COVID, like you know how uh, how we stayed sane, so to speak, through the COVID. So there's, there's a few what I would call fun questions that we were able to just in, enjoy in there. So that, that's um, a bit of interest. But outside of uh, outside of that, there was one about Melchizedek because Melchizedek is a character in scripture, and uh, mm. the question of well, who who is he really? Mysterious so, individual. Very much so. Very much so. Actually, without beginning of years or end of days, the Bible says. That's exactly right. And so the question then becomes: Is Melchizedek actually Jesus, or, or you know, God in some way, or you know, is, is he being used in in symbol? Because that that quote, of course, is from the New Testament. And yes. so, you know, looking back and utilizing him as an example when he's likening, you know, Jesus to his ministry, right? That Jesus is a priest of the order of Melchizedek. So there's he's drawing a link there. Whereas, you know, if you if you read it in the Old Testament context, it doesn't really allude to that. So yeah, so the question is, you know, was it uh you know, which way was it? But either way, the point of what is of what is coming out there is very interesting because you know, Abraham, it's this is where the story of Melchizedek comes from. Abraham is paying tithes to Melchizedek. And so, you know, uh, Abraham himself is acknowledging the, uh, a higher priesthood than than his own relationship with God and, and accessing, um, you know, that relationship. And, and that was really interesting because I, I was reading uh, one of the, the thoughts that came out. This is a book I was reading recently, which was talking about Melchizedek and saying if, if he was a historical figure as well, you know, he was the leader of a Canaanite tribe. So it seems 
that uh, if he was a historical figure as well as being you know, utilized later in scripture, but if he was a historical figure, it seems that there was living in Canaan already a, someone or a tribe who did acknowledge the, the one true God, who did acknowledge Yahweh at that point, which was interesting. And also ranked higher than Abraham in priesthood. Yes, yes, which is fascinating. You know, mm. the the book that I was reading uh, drew the parallel between um, you know special revelation and general revelation. So you know we can learn about God through nature and the world around us, but we can all. But if we want the you know a really specific understanding of God, you know we can learn about Him in Scripture. And so he was saying, you know, Abraham had a very specific revelation of God, whereas at least as far as Scripture is concerned, we're not told that God sent any emissaries to uh, Melchizedek or, the, or his kingdom of Salem. So was that, you know, this is a great example of them perceiving God through the, the nature around them and having that relationship with him and that and uh, the special revelation uh, of Abraham actually expressing, yeah, uh, the superiority of the other. So, you know, God is showing himself to everyone in every nation, whether there is a specific revelation of him there or not. But okay, so the, the, alternatives, the alternatives, sorry, I butted in there, but the alternatives that you came up with then for Melchizedek, um, you've got, you know, is this God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit in yeah. some way, or yeah. is it the leader of a Canaanite tribe? Were there any, any other contenders for who Melchizedek may have been? And they were the main ones that we came up with. I'm interesting. I'm interested. Do you have any other, have you heard of any other explanations? I do. I have a favourite one. <laughs> Maybe somebody needs to send this in for question of the day and then I can share my theories. The, the reality yeah. is that um, we don't know. Yeah. He is a mysterious figure. The Bible doesn't actually specify um, mm. and there is only a certain amount of evidence that we can go on, but it's fun to uh, speculate on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you've gone into that to learn the main lesson of uh, mm. of why Melchizedek is recorded there, and I think one of the significant things that you've highlighted also is that you know we often look at Abraham and the Israelite people as being God's last foothold on the earth, and that was not mm. so. There yeah. were many, many people who were followers of God spread all over the world at this particular time, and you've got Melchizedek, and you've got Balaam, and you've got others um, who pop up from time to time, very, very mm. distinct and separate from. Uh, the people of God, but very, very devout followers of God. You know, obviously Balaam lost it at the end, but um, was mm. also a true prophet of God and a, and a prophet of Jesus, you know, prophesied of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, anything else there that um, sort of jumped up that was a, a highlight amongst your 10-question rapid-fire session? Yeah, so there, there, were, there were two. One, uh, one was uh, the, the question of, will there be marriage and children in heaven? So that was that was an interesting one to explore because there is a very clear statement from Jesus saying that you know there will, uh, will be neither uh, marriage or, or sorry given in marriage or taken in marriage so there will be like the angels whatever that means not that we have a clear idea of what the angels are but uh, yeah there's some very interesting uh, ideas around that or, or, or ways to read that and so that, that too long to explore in in this section now but uh, yeah if you guys are interested in that that's our ten questions. I've had some interesting discussions on that subject and they've gone down some quite controversial rabbit holes at times. Um, mm. So, yeah, interesting to see what you guys came up with. I'm sure that you were able and, to uh, look at some of those uh, what I will controversies say is as well. That, 
yeah, what I will say is those rabbit holes definitely appeared in that in that question. So definitely check that out if you're interested in in, in chasing those rabbits. I think that one's going to catch everybody's attention, uh, particularly yep. on questions of intimacy and pleasure and so forth. Um, mm. Before we finish up, how do we access um, Oz Table Talk? Sure. So you can find us on any podcasting platform. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, or if you want all the details, you can head to our website, which is oztabletalk.com.au, and you can find us on social, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the same place, at oztabletalk. Okay. So uh, the main one, would, I guess, would be oztabletalk.com.au? That's it. Okay, so head over to oztabletalk.com.au. You can hear all the discussions that Luke and his friends have as they sit around a table and discuss every controversial subject that people throw their direction and uh, look for lessons to be learned and blessings to be received uh, as they study the Bible together. Luke, thank you so much for joining us for your monthly update. Mm, Thanks for having me. That was Luke Ferrugia from Oztabletalk and once again, oztabletalk.com.au for their Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.